Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Royal Assassin by Robin Hobb, Hob, the second book in the Farseer trilogy. So let's wit with the magic of books. Again, I just have to say it. I just, I love Robin Hobb's books. And I'm sorry that this episode didn't come out last week. It's, uh, life is overwhelming, and these books are so intense. Yeah, I, I had forgotten how intense they can be, and so I was not really prepared again to get into everything that Robin Hobb does. And for the emotional turmoil, while it's an amazing emotional, emotional turmoil, it is there, and it does take a little bit out of you. But I should be able to read the next one. I've kind of got something going for me, so I will be ready. But this book, I mean, I marked it down. It's a 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10 for me. There's These books are so amazing, and her characters and her world building is so unique and so just important and on the page, and it's real, and it's fleshed out, and you can... I would not say that I would be like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Like, even the characters I disagree with the most, I can understand exactly where they're coming from. I I may think they're incredibly stupid, and we'll definitely get to some of that. But I just, I, I am just always in awe of her characters and of her relationships that these characters have with each other and the changes they go through and the the building up that they do. Let's give just a little bit of a... Uh, a summary here, just to, to not kind of... This will be the whole book, but it's not really super spoily. Um, Fitz and Burke are in the Mountain Kingdom. They recover from being attacked by Regal, and then they eventually make their way back to the Six Duchies to Buckkeep. They are building ships. Fitz goes out on the ships quite a lot to be Verity's kind of eyes, and he's practicing the skill with him. They are able to protect their borders a little bit better, but they're still raids, and they still take vengeance. Meanwhile, the king has been weakening and weakening, and the raids keep coming. And this book takes place over, like, at least a year or two, because we go from summer to winter to summer to winter to fall, you know. Maybe even three years this book takes place over. But you have to remember, at the beginning of this book, he is near, like, 1415. So right now we're kind of hitting the uh, 15 to 16, 17, 18 years. And so it is right on pretty close to that. So you just have to remember, Fitz is a teenager. Teenagers are not the most smart or the most wise. He he is a teenager. He sees thing with his uh, inflamed passion. But Regal, Regal, you know, as ever, is always trying to to angle for the throne. Verity goes off on a quest. Regal tries to abandon the out the uh, coastal duchies, and then Shrewd dies, and everything changes in such a good way. This book has some of my favorite scenes of this series here. There's just so many of them. And okay, we're just going to have to start spoiling stuff because I can't really say much more about it without. But her prose is just phenomenal. And I just let me give you this one right here. Like, through the flames, I watched a 10-year-old boy bare his throat for the slash of his mother's knife. He held the body of his baby sister strangled already for the red ships had come, and no loving brother would give her to either the raiders or the voracious flame. I saw the mother's eyes as she lifted her children's bodies and carried them into the flames with her. Some things are not, such things are not, are better not remembered, but I was not spared the knowledge. Like, she was, it's just a, so evocative and so powerful and the threat of being forged and cut off from everything, which, I mean, I didn't even talk about being forged last time too much aside from its, near a fate worse than death you are cut off from all emotions and you know i don't know how they're doing it is it a skill is it a wit i have to think it's a skill because the skill can do many many things you know it's a very soft kind of system it can do whatever you need to but at the same time i never feel like she's pulling something out of a hat just to to make the skill work 
So, and like I said, that prose that I just read, that's in chapter one, and it doesn't ever let up the amazingness of her prose or the intensity of it. It's just so good. So let's just start talking about our characters. Who should we talk about first? Well, there's so, so many. Let's just talk about Shrewd. Shrewd, uh, this is a major failing in my mind of Shrewd and of all kind of kings and like regal positions here. And I'm not the person in this instance because he's just a loser and should go die. He's good at a couple things, but not much. Shrewd has got, I don't know what the problem with royalty in this instance is, is that they never pass on the throne before they die, which leads to problems. If I'm a king and I live to 60 and I have a kid at 30, then my kid would reign from 30 to 60. Well, I'm not going to say that 30 to 60 is not a bad year, but what if I live till I'm 70? Then I'm I'm getting older. I'm slower. I'm not as, I mean, I might be wiser. I'm not saying he has to step away completely, but he could be more of like, hey, let me integrate you into the role of being king, Verity. So you are, yes, you're king in waiting, but like, maybe you can be actual king and I'll be, you know, king that was or something. And, you know, we can talk and discuss things, but you'll have the full, the full say. This would prevent a lot of problems. Now, in this instance, the only problem it would really prevent is Regal being like, I'm going to get that crown because I'm a jerk and I don't care who it happens to anybody else because he's Regal. But Shrewd, he has a sickness. And instead of just being like, oh, I'll just, you know, pass it on to Verity, I'm going to, you know, cloud my mind with drugs. And of course, this is all partially Regal's doing too. He wants his father to be foolish. And it just culminates in this, in Shrewd, who is like, he's being, he is addicted to all these drugs and he has a bright core that's still alive and still knows and by the end of it he's still there but at the same time he's it's too late he's already succumbed he's gotten too tired he can't stay awake for long periods of time he does whatever kind of regal tells him to he starts believing regal's lies oh they said they'd take care of it oh that's a false raid regal okay we're going to talk about regal here for a second regal oh let's just let's actually talk about the names for a second, because Regal Regal's name fits in perfectly. This I was thinking about this, and names are such an important part of this. Now, I have to think there's some kind of secret magic worked into the Farseer line and the princes and the, the royalty and the duchess and everything, because there is no other way that anybody who has a special name, Verity, Regal, Shrewd, would ever be able to you know live up to that name so wholly, like Charity. Every single one of them lives their name to the most extreme ideal, which in most cases can be good, but is also very bad. King Shrewd is too shrewd. He is too cunning. He is, well, it's not cunning, it's shrewdness. He is very closed off and concealing and plans within plans. And the way he thinks is how he thinks everybody thinks. But nobody else thinks like him. He is too shrewd for his own good. You know, he doesn't see, well, he does see Regal doing things, you know, to take power and to remove his sister, his brother, excuse me, not his sister, sister-in-law, Ketrikin, but he thinks that they're secret plots within plots because that's he's shrewd. Verity is too truthful. Now, Verity is a little bit of a different example because being too truthful just means you're too blunt most of the time, but also because Verity is too truthful, he has a really hard time like really connecting to people and to playing the game of politics, which is partially a lot about deception and making other people feel better and such, and a lot of political maneuvering, which doesn't lend itself to being 100% truthful all the time. Then we also see like Regal. Regal is, he is the definition of like royalty. He is so good at playing the game, at being political, but he has that ambition that I have to be king because he is too regal. 
And in a moment of absolute idiocy, he decides to, and I love this phrase, and I don't get to use it often enough, but he cuts off his nose to spite his face because he is the most self-centered idiot in the entire world. Ah, yes, the raiders that have made no real demands of us and just keep raiding and killing people. Surely they will stop if I just do X, if I just let them have the coastal baronies. Surely they will not come after me more. Clearly this is... I know you want to believe what you want to believe, but you are just so wrong. And the fact that you're like, oh, I'll just... The fool points it out even to Fitz. He's like, or not the fool, Chade. Chade points it out to Fitz. If Regal becomes king and he moves to the inland, don't you think after a little bit when all the prices go up and he can't afford anything, nor can he get anything from Bingtown or anywhere else, that he'll suddenly start caring about the coastal duchies again? And it's like, yeah, but think of the loss of life to get there. It's insane. And here the Fitz even says it. To me, it seemed a staggering treason, but I found myself accepting it. He would, hundred, meaning Regal, hundreds of folks slain, scores forged, women's raped, children orphaned, entire villages destroyed for the sake of a princeling's vengeance over an imagined wrong. It staggered me, but it fit. It fit as snug as a coffin lid because he is too Regal. He is unable to be anything but Regal. And Regal, when pushed to these extremes that everybody gets pushed to, is bad, just like all these other things are bad, which is one reason why I think Fitz is so. He's able to affect so much change, partially because his, you know, his secret name, his man's name is Changer or Catalyst, right? He is the embodiment of change where he goes, things change because he was, you could say he was not meant to be, but just because that's who he is. He has the freedom to act in a number of ways because he is not bound by a single name you know taker always took you know bounteous was always bounty king wisdom he was supposedly pretty wise but he did some pretty dumb stuff because he maybe i don't know maybe he's too wise and he thought oh i don't need to worry about this i'm too wise you know but there's so much in the names regal i'm sorry you didn't die in this book but i sure have high hopes for the next book but let's uh, let's go talk about some of the characters here. We got we talked a lot about Shrewd. You know, he's wasting away. He is still the king, but he's basically king in name only. And Regal is really taking all the power to himself. You know, Chade is our good old mentor still. He is still there, still teaching fits, trying to do things. And it's so funny because he's just like, I, their relationship is so key and critical to Fitz because he's one of the only people that Fitz can be like 100% truthful with. And Chade doesn't even back away when he learns that Fitz has the wit. And he's like, huh, well, well, I mean, he, I'm sure it shocks him a little bit because it takes him a second to respond, but he stoically says, we got to use all the tools we have. And he does it. And I love that. And well, let's talk about the, the, the wit for a second here. Burrick has the wit and he can totally use it. And he knows it. And for Burke's name is heart of the pack. And that's why he's such a good, you know, horse trainer and everything is not because he uses the wit, but because he kind of has it. And you know, it's like a sense. Can you turn off your sense of touch? Can you turn off your sense of taste? You can close your eyes, but that's not quite the same as turning off your sense of sight, right? So he, even though he refuses to use it and he kind of knows it, and we learn that you can repel with the wit and kind of push away, that's pretty amazing. Comes into play a couple times, very importantly. But Burke, thou hypocrite, thou hypocrite of the highest order, you know, against the wit the whole time, always, always, always against the wit until at the very end when the wit is needed to save Fitz's life. But I don't begrudge you for it. In fact, I applaud you for it because I'm really glad that Fitz, you know, doesn't stay dead at the end of this book because that would be a very sad but satisfying ending to this book. So, Burrick, I love him. We learned so much about Burrick in this one. It's incredible. I mean, 
it's tough to say. This book sometimes is a little bit long. I think it's the size of Assassin's Apprentice and a half. And so it does feel a lot longer, but a lot of it is good, important stuff that we're kind of learning. Some of it's about Burrick, some of it's about others. So good. The relationship between Burrick and Patience, you know, that plays a key dynamic later. And all the clues, I can't say there's all the clues to know exactly what's going on in that situation, but there are clues and you can see kind of what's going to happen. But let's talk really quick about Wallace, the King's doorman, who I don't know why. I I love Chade and I love Fitz, but like, why didn't one of them just be like, you know what? Wallace is getting pretty finicky. Maybe Regal would realize, to, would stop putting people at the King's door if every one of them just somehow seemingly died. Ah, it's just... Sorry, but like the fool is gonna be have to be the king's doorman because the fool is great and the fool is awesome. The fool is sass incarnate and a future seer, and you know he's trying to lead them on the right path. But I love the fool's pronunciation of of Wallace, where he says it's a uh, you know Wall's ear, no Wall's back, no Wall's ass, and I'm like yes, that's it for sure. That's whenever I say Wallace, that's exactly how I'm thinking of it. He obviously is a spy by Regal, but seriously. Just a little bit of poison, make him sick, make him die. Regal already knows that there's an assassin in. As long as you make it in such a way that Fitz couldn't have been the one to do it, then you're safe. So, I don't know why he didn't die. Probably would have been the top of my hit list. There's a lot of people on the top of my hit list in this book, though. Let's talk about the next one, Justin, Serene, and Will. Now, these are some of the best scenes in this book when they're here. Justin and Serene are kind of shaking down Fitz. They're trying to scare him. They're attacking him with the skill. And one night he's just too tired and they kind of bothering him and they form a skill link. And then Night Eyes, this is the best. He's just like, we are back. And he races over and he basically like goes through the wit, with the wit to Fitz and then through the skill to Justin. And basically Justin's mind is being eviscerated by this wolf. Scratches are appearing on his skin. And then he, you know, pulls back and it fades away. And I'm like, yeah, Fitz, just do it. Just kill him right now. They are bad you know they're bad. We learn that the whole coterie has been most likely force imprinted to love Regal and to follow Regal, delaying messages, making Verity seem unimportant or unuse, unuseful, because that's not a word, but less useful, whereas his skilling is delayed. And so by the time the messages get out, it's too late. Just so good. And then we learn that Will is like this super secret, powerful guy. And he's you know, and then they've, we learn that they've been draining the king. And so the king's skill is significantly weakened. And then they kill the king. And like, I love the, the description that she uses of, of ticks, like sucking him dry. And then they try to leech onto him. And then he blasts them. And, you know, the wit comes through. And then Fitz goes, this was, it was just so awesome. Fitz is like, they have killed my king. And he takes the king's knife and he walks around to him. And he, you know, slinks around and he gets past him. And he slits Serene's throat and he's like... And then he catches up to Justin and he stabs him multiple times. He's just like, oh, it was, I mean, okay, I'm sorry for the whole noise I'm making here. But it, when you read that, it is the most beautiful, like, amazing scene ever. He's like, I'm getting vengeance for my king. They killed my king, you know, just, and this whole time it's so amazing because Fitz has been having these issues with the king where King Shrewd won't let him marry Molly. He wants him to marry Celerity, which is a coastal daughter because he wants him to have a duchy and he wants him to be important. And Fitz is like, I don't want that. I just want Molly. But of course, can't have that. So, And then when he's being assaulted by Will after he's been captured and they're trying to prove him to, that he's user of the wit and that's why they can kill him. And at the same time, just not even a chapter or two ago, he had accepted basically saying like, when Ver when Regal leaves, I will become the Lord of Buckkeep and, you know, watch out and be a part of you guys to help you fight the Red Ship Raiders until Verity returns. 
you know, and can deal with Regal. But so he's he's got all these conflicting things going on. But then at the moment of his king's death, he still goes and does what he is supposed to do and what he has to do. And so we got to talk about Fitz a little bit here. He just he, he doesn't want to get married to Solarity, so he writes her now. He's like, oh, I'm so scared, and I did this, and I you know I have a berserker battle rage. And then she's like, oh, man, like, he doesn't, he's a really bad person. And then her dad's like, oh, no, he's just being modest. Like, this is, he's such a good guy. Like, I'd be worried if a guy didn't say he was scared before a fight. And, you know, totally reverses it so it's even more in Fitz's favor, which he's like, I don't want this. Like, leave me alone. <sighs> so good. And we talked about Night Eyes a little bit, but we didn't talk about it. Like, Fitz bonds a wolf. He rescues the wolf. He tries to set him free. And Night Eyes is like, nah, we're going to be pack. I'm just going to hang out with you. I'm going to do my own thing. But we'll be bonded. You know, we are one. I do what you do. You do what I do. Like, they're so... Night Eyes is so cool. He's just the best. He's like, whatever. Like, I'm a wolf. I'll protect you. You know, you can't hunt very well. I can. Just... What Night Eyes is the most amazing character. And let's talk really quick about Molly. Molly's working at Buckkeep now. Turns out it wasn't some other lover she was running off with, but her cousin. Oops, Fitz, that was kind of a mistake. She wants to make enough to open her candlery, her chandlery again. And she's working for Lady Patience. And Fitz is like, oh, I want to see you. But then he can't because, uh, you yeah, know, machinations. If he's seen too often with her, then people will know that she's important to him and blah, blah, blah. But their relationship dynamic is so good. The, the way they care for each other, the way they love each other. And then when she breaks his heart, and I know why she broke his heart, and... You might know as well if you've been paying attention. And if you want a little clue, go look at what Lady Patience tells Fitz to talk to Molly about. Fitz being clueless because, again, he's a teenager and she didn't come right out and say it. Doesn't get it. But I would like to say for Fitz's defense, he is remarkably astute about a lot of things. Matters of the heart and relationships, he's less astute about. But what teenager is more astute about that kind of stuff? But he is able to clearly see through the politics of certain things. He's able to advise Ketrikin very well and teach her how to be this. He works very well with Verity and makes Verity see things importantly. Like, he is able to actually, like, diagnose and solve the heart of the problem quite easily and quite a lot of the time and do it, you know, in a way that's unexpected without ruining things and of course when we talk about Fitz we have to talk about the fool the fool is he's just an interesting character because we have no idea what his real motivations are save that he says that he is here to lead but keep to prosperity that in all the futures he can see and that he says he can see which as an omniscient you know not an omniscient person I am not but as a person who's read the series I know that he does kind of see the future and he says that you know, like Fitz, speak pl er, the Fitz says to the fool, speak plainly, just tell me why you're here. And he's like, I can't tell you. Like, if you want me to, I will, but you won't like it. And he says, you know, I have to, I'm here to, to change the future to keep it, but keep alive, to keep the Farseer line alive. Because if you guys are alive, the future is good. But when you guys all die, the future is bad. That's why he's here with his king, with King Shrewd that he dearly loves. And I, I get that. Shrewd, I don't know why he loves Shrewd so much, so I don't really get it. But I mean, I get his under, his dedication to keeping King Shrewd alive because that's more options. But when Fitz is there, there's a lot more options and he's a lot more... It's a lot more difficult for him to see, but there's a lot more options to choose from at the same time. So Fitz, of course, understands none of that. He just knows that the fool is the fool and he always speaks in riddles. And there's a couple of them that good. And one of them actually like basically tells us everything like that's going to happen in this this book and the next. And it's pretty amazing on my notes. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here and I, I'm going to have to say, Burke, I love what you do in this book and I love what you're doing at the end of this book, but I also... I'm not liking what you're going to do in the next book. And I know it's coming, so be prepared for my scorn. I dislike it. Dislike. If you know 
you know. All right. Let's talk about Ketrakin and Verity for a second. They are, they're so good for each other, but they both kind of refuse to see it to each other. Like Verity is all like, oh, you know, I like her, but you know, or she's nice, but I can't really like be with her. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. Like once I see her through Fitz's eyes with my skilling, I realize like she is really cool and she is practical and she is basically everything you ever wanted in a wife, Verity. Just quit being so dumb about it. You know, she rebuilds the king, the queen's gardens and she you know, through lessons with Fitz, starts cultivating nobility, doing really good. Then she's pregnant, and she's going to have a baby. Then stupid Rosemary tries to make her trip down the stairs. I, I, can't, I thought I remembered a fight between Rosemary and Fitz, but I guess I was wrong because there was no more, no fight in this book. But Rosemary, the cute little girl, was Regal's spy slash assassin all along. Don't like it. Dislike. That's, I mean, it totally makes sense, but I dislike that she was that. Verity goes off on his skill quest to find the elderlings, and I'm excited to see where that goes in the next book, because secret, I know ahead, and I know what's going to happen, so I'm loving that. It's, I think that's all I'm going to have really to say. We've talked a lot about the characters, we've talked a lot about the choices that they've made, and the reasons why, and again, I just have to say, Robin Hobbs' relationships and characters are always on point. They are fantastic and amazing and beautiful. I can't overemphasize how well she does it, along with a good plot and a good logic and enjoyment of the story. So that's going to be everything to, I have to talk about Royal Assassin today, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can send those to libromancypod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And remember to wit with the magic of books. Music